hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. So, all right, so we're going to jump back into it. Um, we've got uh, another scene in town. Um, this, this quickly ties into my statement about Virgil. It's starting to get to him because the very next scene, he, he's outside and the cowboys are riding through town just terrorizing people just because that's what they do, you know. They're riding fast. They're trying to run over people. They're shooting and shit, just, you know, just generally messing around. Uh, Virgil grabs a kid and pulls him out of the way just before he's about to get trampled by a horse. And she, he, he puts him down, and the mom, the mom of the kid, you know, she reaches a hand out, and the kid goes to her, and we see that, you know, she, she's obviously a single mom. She's got four kids. She's single. You know, I'm extrapolating, but this is the intent of the scene. Again, it's a little heavy-handed. You know, she's a single mom because of the cowboys. She's got a scar on her face. Like, they're playing us up to the hilt to drive Virgil over the edge and do something. Like, they couldn't have, they couldn't have done any more short of removing one of her limbs or something to make her more sympathetic to turn him. Uh, so, you know, he gets he sees that, and you can see he gets the message. Um, the next scene we jump into now is Virgil in front of the marshal's office posting Newtown rules. Um He's decided to become the town marshal and replace, replace Fred. Uh, and the biggest rule that everybody's losing their shit about, uh, so this, you know, Second Amendment goes even back then and before, is his rule is no guns in town. Um, you know, and, and, and that was actually a fairly common rule in a lot of towns out there in order to, in order to keep the violence to a minimum as best they could. Um, they made it a misdemeanor to carry a gun within town limits. Um, you know, his comment was, we're not saying you can't have a gun. You just can't have a gun in town. <laughs> yep. um, the crowd goes nuts. Wyatt storms up on his horse. Um, this was probably unintentional, but he almost killed one of the actors because <laughs> the guy had a shotgun up. He pushed the shotgun so hard to get out of his way. It hits the guy in the head. <laughs> it was definitely not part of the, the scene. Um, and he gets off the horse, and he's asking Virgil what's going on. He sees Virgil's badge, and he's like, what are you doing? We had our plan. You're fucking it all up. You know, this is not good, blah, blah, blah. He's just, just ragging on him. And he looks to Morgan as the voice of reason, and <laughs> Morgan opens his coat, and he's got a badge too. And, you know, that's it. Uh, Wyatt goes into a quick, quick little uh, learning tool for Morgan about, you know, you think you know what it's like to kill a man? Um, but you don't, um, yep. up the to mayor, that, the mayor yeah. is also pushing this as well. This is no gun. Yes. In town thing. And, um, when Wyatt tries to like tell him that like, it's not a good idea. I actually got a quote from the mayor here. Yeah. Don't ever tell me what I can't do ever. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what he tells him. That's exactly he tells what he tells him. So everybody's don't telling Wyatt. Everybody's telling Wyatt off. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, and, and it's cool. I, I, I looked it up and I, I kind of confirmed it because at this point, Wyatt says, I've only ever killed one man in my life, uh, you know, and I'll never forget it. And apparently it's his time as a, as a marshal in Dodge city and other towns. That's true. As far as I could see, uh, documented that up to that point, <laughs> he had only killed one man. So, um, that changes in real life and in the movie coming up. Uh, so we, you know, Wyatt, Wyatt storms off. It's, you know, he's done, with, he's done with the brothers for the moment. He, he doesn't want any part of it. Um, so our next scene, we're back at the Oriental again. It's the, it's the hot spot. 
Um, Josie's singing Red River Valley at the piano. Beautiful voice. She's doing her thing. Uh, Doc is playing poker with some cowboys. It's Ike uh, and the uh, McClory brothers, Tom and Frank. Um, Morgan's dealing at that point. Uh, you know, Wyatt and Virgil are in the room. They're just kind of watching. Um, Morgan sneaks over to let Wyatt know that um, uh, Doc's been up. For, he's been at it for 36 straight hours. I mean, and you, you can see it. The guy is like... This is my, this is my part. It's my favorite part. Go ahead. <laughs> he's at death's door. I mean, it, 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 he, he's fucked up, but he's not stopping. Um, Wyatt tries to stop him, you know, and... You know, he, Doc is dropping the comments, and he's like, I will not be pawed at. So. Yeah, that line. That's <laughs> it. Is so I'll not great. be pawed at. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes, that's true. I have that's not the way yet he says it. begun to defile, defile myself. myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, he's having none of it because this is Doc. It's the way, the way he lives his life, you know. Um, so, yeah, at this point, just uh, roll that clip, Joe. What is that now? The 12 hands in a row holiday, son of a bitch, nobody's that lucky. Why, Ike, whatever do you mean? Is that the right one? Yeah, that's it. Okay. I was like, yeah. For some reason, it didn't feel right, but... No, 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 that was it. That was a quick one, because it was after that that, that you know, he, he dropped the four queens down, and... Uh, and and I lost it, but I yeah. I I wanted that play because again that's one of the lines like that'll that'll drop in my house you know somebody will say something to somebody else and I'll go, well, whatever do you mean <laughs> you know just a bust balls <laughs> like we use that all the time so um, you know they keep going at it Virgil steps in to try to calm things down Ike's having none of it he starts talking about cutting your pimp heart out <laughs> okay you know that does not go over well with Virgil um, he is not happy. Um, he's about to do something when Doc stands up and then collapses to the ground with a, you know, blood coming out of his mouth. Um, obviously, his health is declining rapidly. They, they scoop up Doc and they, they tell him we're going to bring him over to the hotel and have him rest up. Um, so uh, they, they, they all leave. Even, even Virgil sort of leaves, right, to help Doc. And, you know, Ike and the Cowboys are getting up to leave. And, you know, Ike goes to the bar and t- they all go to get their weapons because they got to check their weapons at the door. And, you know, Ike is just, he's drunk as shit and he's riled up. So he even gets on Milt's case and Milt, you know, he, he says about cheating. Milt says nobody cheated you and fucking Ike bitch slaps him. You know, it's typical cowboy shit, typical Ike shit. Um, he starts mouthing off how they're going to get the, the herps. They're going to get them all, you know. He doesn't know that Virgil's standing behind him. And he turns around and Virgil pistol whips him right in the head and knocks him out. Um, so... The other Cowboys have left at this point, actually, so they don't even know what happened at, at that moment. So he brings, he brings Ike off to, off to jail, throws him in a cell, basically to let him sober up. He's not arresting him for anything. Um, you know, so we transition to the next day, next morning. Um, Ike is so, was so drunk, he's still drunk. Like it's the next morning, and he's still not sober. Um, the McLaurie brothers come to pick him up. Um, of course, their usual cowboy defiant you know uh, even even the younger McLaurie you know he's got that snotty kid attitude but he's not taking shit from anybody um, they want Ike's guns but you know Virgil's like no he sobers up and get his guns and then uh, that leads us to this Joe fire it up Come on. the hell you think you are I'm 
Watch the way you walk, you stupid bastard. Easy, kid. I'm sorry. I ain't easy to meet your kid. You take sorry and shove it up your ass. I'll fight you right now. Got you. You're gonna bleed. You got a fight coming. Coming today. There we go. So, uh, I, I thought it was important to play that clip just because it is the lead up to, you know, what it's not the climax of the movie, but it's the peak of the movie to that point. It, it's basically the the signature moment of uh, of the movie and the lore and the story real you know what really happened um so we're gonna get to that shortly so um we jump to a quick scene of a doctor checking on the doc um because you know he's laid up in bed now um you know the doc, the doc lays it out i mean he says he's lost 60 percent of his lung tissue um and you know if he stops everything right now he could last two years or two days that's how bad it is um you know Doc is realizing this, and he's also realizing that his relationship with Kate is coming to an end because she is part of the reason he's dying in the sense that, you know, she, again, it's transactional with them, so she doesn't really, bottom line, care if he lives or dies. She's going to milk, or she, she knows he's going to die, so she'll milk every penny out of him before it happens, and, and he knows that too. Um, so he tries to start, you know, he says, we have to redefine the nature of our relationship. Um, and she's having none of that. She's, she starts turning on the charms and basically goes right for the crotch to, you know, have him forget what he's talking about. Um, you know, and his line at the end of that scene is, you are a good woman. Then again, you may be the Antichrist. And, uh, you know, that could be. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, she's still try, trying to charm him to get every penny out of him. Um, we move to... Uh, a scene of the cowboys riding towards town or they're in town um, and the Earps are standing there and they watch six cowboys ride past. Uh, Wyatt looks at, at Virgil and says, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, time you swear me in because they know trouble's coming. Um, Wyatt then goes to his house to get his peacemaker pistol. Um, from what I read, there's no evidence he ever owned a pistol like that, but it's got the longest barrel I've ever seen for a pistol. <laughs> um, it's like a Smith & Wesson 500. Yeah, I think it's something like that. I'm not sure. Those um, Navy but, cults were big. Yeah, it is a cult. It's, it was a cult. I remember reading that. But, again, you know, he may or may not have owned a pistol like that. We don't know. It doesn't really matter. But uh, he, go, he goes and retrieves that from the house. And, uh, you know, he's, he's ready, to, he's ready to, to bring it now. So, um, you know, they're all back at the marshal's office, and the mayor comes in uh, and lets the Arabs know that the cowboys are running their mouths about, you know, taking them out, gunning them down. They're going to get rid of all of them. Um, Doc shows up, and uh, I want you to play that clip, Joe. It's not your problem, Doc. You don't have to mix up in this. That is a hell of a thing for you to say to me. All right, Bert. Give Doc the shotgun. 
They'll be less apt to get nervy if he's on the street house. So, yeah, I mean, at the beginning of that clip, you know, Doc gets pissed because, you know, at the end of this movie, we learn what they truly mean to each other because they vocalize it finally. And uh, that hurt Doc just, you know, for a second. But it upset him because, you know, he's always been there for, for uh, they've always been there for each other. And, you know, this isn't even a question for Doc to be there to help uh, Wyatt and his brothers. So, you know, it pissed him off a bit. But I love that Street Howardson line. I absolutely love it. Um, that is also one of my favorites. I don't use it around the house too much because it's not appropriate, but, you know, uh, it works. Um, it's the uh, second best nickname for a shotgun, the first being the room broom. <laughs> there you go. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. I would take that first. I totally agree. Um, so we get a quick shot of the Earps walking towards the OK Corral where they know the Cowboys are. Um, you know, just a little checklist there. There's a building on fire. We assume the Cowboys did it. I guess they are. They're trying to put the fire out. <laughs> I, I, I forgot to mention it earlier, but uh, some of, uh, of Morgan's reaction shots when shit's going down is hysterical. The way Paxton played him. He's a scared little kid. <laughs> okay, He's shitting himself a lot. And he's not a coward, not by any means. But this is all new to him, you know. He's trying to live up to the name his brothers have created for the for the Earps, and it's it's difficult for him because he's young, and uh, you know I'm trying to look here. I, I put my paper away, but I forget he's obviously the second youngest, but the youngest in this in, in this instance in this movie. Um, but when they're walking towards the OK Corral and that keep comes up, I, he shit himself. There's no question about it. <laughs> he's like, damn kids, you know, uh, drove him crazy. And uh, Doc is of course. He's cool as a cucumber. He's whistling, and that was actually a Val Kilmer ad lib. Um, Val, he just thought it would be appropriate for Doc to just be, again, as cool as a cucumber, and just, you know, he's ready for anything at any time. So he's just whistling a happy tune, waiting for this all to go down. Um, so we are at the scene. We're at the scene, the OK Corral. Even if you're only mildly, you know, into Westerns or, or you know, the, the Old West, every, almost everybody knows you know, gunfight at the OK Corral. It's been done a hundred times in movies. Everybody just knows the reference. At the very least, they know what's going on. Um, it turns out that, you know, the, the actual gunfight took place in an alley next to the OK Corral. Um, but it kind of looked like, you know, the, the, the stage that, that they set is pretty realistic as to how it looked. They might have changed the signage around uh, just to, you know, help people understand what was going on. Uh, but before they round the corner into that alley, into that area where the gunfight takes place, Behan, <laughs> he shows up and he, he, he tells the boys that he's already disarmed them. Um, he's just looking to defuse the situation because he knows what's coming. But he also wants to keep control of the town. Uh, so, you know, he gives that line of bullshit, but they, they, they know what's going on. They don't even believe him. They keep walking. Um, you know, so uh, they round the corner and there are six of them there. Six cowboys. We got Ike and Billy Clanton. We got the McClory brothers. We got Barnes. And we got Claiborne, who we don't really see much. Um, cool thing about Claiborne is he's played by Wyatt Earp, <laughs> who is the fifth cousin of the actual Wyatt Earp. He's Wyatt Earp third, So he's the third person named Wyatt Earp from that family. Um, they used him in that movie, in that role. He has no speaking lines. You only see him in that one scene, and he ends up running away uh, almost instantly. 
So, um, but yeah, his, his, his actual name is Wyatt Earp. Um, you know, Virgil, he, he just shouts out that, you know, throw down your weapons, we're here to disarm you, um, and throw up your hands. Um, they all stop, they all draw their weapons, they're all staring at each other, uh, nothing's happening, they're building the tension, it's a, it's a good job of that. Um, everything seems okay, <laughs> the tension's building, but there's nothing going on until... Um, Doc, he winks at, uh, at Billy Clay. And that is, that is, again, a Val Kilmer ad lib. He decided to do that, and they kept it in. Um, and as soon as that happens, the shooting starts. I mean, um, you know, Wyatt just says, oh, my God, because he knows what's coming. And they just start shooting. Um, I like the way this takes place in the sense is, like, I don't know what a gunfight like that would look like, but in my head, the randomness of the aiming and just the fr- the frenetic pace is what I would think would happen in a situation like that when you got, you know, eight guys <laughs> facing off against each other that are they're six feet apart. You know, no one's taking aim. They're just, you know, bringing their guns up and they're shooting and hoping they hit something. Um, you know, the, the gunplay just, they go nuts. Um, you know, everything is... Um, is nuts. I mean, uh, Virgil gets shot in the arm. Uh, Morgan gets shot in the leg. Um, there are a couple of cowboys that are down and out at this point. Um, to take a step back when it first, before they start shooting, Ike, once again, he chickens out. He doesn't have his gun, which again, I read is real in this case. He didn't have his gun. Um, he, he runs into the, into the, uh, the portrait studio next to the alley there, the Fly Portrait Studio, to hide. Um, you know, and he's done that multiple times in this movie already. Um, they get to a lull in, this, in, in the sense that, you know, th- there's really not many people left standing. And, uh, you know, Doc circles uh, one of the cowboys and holds his gun up. It's, it's Billy Clanton. And, uh, you know, he pulls the trigger and he's got nothing in the, in the barrel, so in the chamber. So he, um, he, uh, you know, he stands there and, uh, you know, Clanton says to him that, uh, well, actually, you got a clip, Joe, so why don't you run it? I got you now, you son of a bitch. Your daisy if you do. I don't think I'll let you arrest us today, Behan. <laughs> I love that line. Uh, going back to that clip real quick, I was mistaken. It wasn't uh, Billy Clanton. It was one of the McLarry brothers that uh, Doc has the confrontation with. Um, you're a daisy with you do. 
if you do, that is accurate, and it is documented that Doc said that. Um, it was documented in newspapers by you know eyewitness accounts, and he said it. And that is yet another line you could choose in the house if somebody says they're going to do something. Oh, you're a daisy if you do. Um, so you know it gets this movie again. It's the movie. Um, yeah. So so after that, uh, Josie, who was in the um, was in the movie stu- uh, the portrait studio. She runs out to check on Wyatt in, okay, awkward moment number 500. Maddie, Maddie comes around the corner to check on Wyatt at the same time. Uh, so, yeah, there's that little, conf- you know, wordless confrontation. It's just not good. Bad um, gas travels fast in a small town. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, you know, and you can tell by the look on, on all their faces that they know that, that a storm is coming, <laughs> figuratively and literally. Um, so... Yeah, um, we jump to the next scene. It's a, it's the funeral for the three cowboys that that were murdered, uh, or murdered. That's what the cowboys are claiming anyway. Um, you know, we see a funeral procession with, with some uh, carriages carrying three coffins. Um, I think Ike and yeah, it's Ike and one of the other cowboys carrying a banner that says "Murdered on the Streets of Tombstone." So, you know, they're playing up that sympathy angle. Um, you know, it's uh, Billy Billy Clanton, so Ike's brother. He lost his brother, and both McClory brothers uh, are the victims in this case. Um, you know, Morgan and Wyatt have a quick conversation, lamenting about taking a man's life. With Morgan agreeing, you're right. It's not. It's nothing like I thought it would be. Um, so you know, it's affected him. So they are now in town. Some time has passed. Um, you know, a little bit of time has passed. Anyway, yeah. Um, it, they mentioned it's getting hotter, so we know that, you know, a couple of months have passed anyway. Um, and again, to, to take a step back from real life, the, the timeline in this movie is nothing like how events transpired. While many of the individual events were, were pretty close to accurate, they didn't happen in, in as short a time span as is represented in, this, in the movie. Um, but that's fine. Again, it's just a, it's a telling of a tale. Um, so the Earps are walking down, you know, they're walking in town. And, uh, you know, Billy Breckenridge uh, walks up to them and they say hello. And he's just pissed at him. You know, he, he, he laces into him about killing his friends. And, you know, I don't want to talk to you if I was if I was somebody or I was bigger, I'd fight you all. Um, but, you know, he's, that's not what he does. Um, as he leaves, I mean, Wyatt comments, all they ever do is make fun of him. Um, and it, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter to Billy. They're his friends. Um, they walk by a drunk Ringo. Uh, Ringo is fucked up. He is like messed up from from this, uh, you know, the confrontation. And uh, they happen to walk by him. They don't really see him. So, uh, Joe, roll the clip. Sister boy should have stuck around. What do you want, Ringo? I want your blood. And I want your soul. And I want them both right now. I don't want any more trouble. Well, you got trouble! And it starts with you. I'm not gonna fight you, Ringo. There's no money in it. Sober up. Come on, boys. Wretched slugs. Don't any of you have the guts to play for blood? I'm your huckleberry. That's just my game. 
All right, Lunger. You go to hell. I'll put you out of your misery. Say wham. Right there, right there, right there. Johnny, go! No, Johnny, go! Get off! Get off! Don't mind him. He's just drunk, that's all. Who the hell, Johnny? No! I want them spitting blood! Easy, son, easy. Now ain't the time. Slow down, Ringo! I tell you, boys, even I'm worried what's gonna happen once Ringo runs this outfit. God have mercy! Yeah, so, uh, I love that scene. That, Ami Huckleberry is my favorite line in this movie. Um, it's my text notification. It has been for about 12 years, <laughs> 10 years. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Again, it's used in the house because, I mean, you know, it, it was a phrase of the time, and it just basically means I'm the perfect man for the job. So, you know, it gets used in the house when, <laughs> when we're talking about doing something good. Yep, I'm a Huckleberry. Um, and it's just it's, it's my absolute favorite line in the movie. There's no question about that. But that's an important scene besides that line, um, you know, because it's, it's, we're to the boiling point. Uh, between the cowboys and, and the Earps. Um, at the end, those were three coffins that he stumbled and knocked over. Um, but, you know, we also hear Curly Bill being his affable self, but um, he ain't kidding when he's, when he's worried about Ringo taking over. Um, and, you know, he states that now out loud. Uh, so, yeah, we know some shit's going down. We know it's going to happen. Um, so we move to our next scene. Uh, it's the storm that I mentioned. It's the actual storm. Um, you know, it's a stormy night in Tombstone, um, high winds, lightning, you know, the whole bit. It's not really raining, but, you know, it's nasty out there. Um, the Earps are at the Oriental. Um, they're just closing up, basically. Place is empty. It's just them. Uh, Virgil says he's heading home. So, he, you know, he heads out. Um, we quick cut to, uh, you know, home, Virgil's house, and all the women are there. And they're waiting for Virgil to come home, and they know he's coming home soon. And uh, one of the women is, is laying out some tarot cards, and, you know, she's dropping the worst cards is death and I, I don't know what other ones, but, you know, basically pointing to the hell that's coming. Um, so Josie comes in because previously Behan told her that shit was going down and that uh, she'd be well to know the man in charge, meaning him, uh, that things were going to change. So I also found this a little weird. She decides after gathering that information that, you know, not to run to the Oriental to tell Wyatt and the boys, but run home to tell the girls. <laughs> so she comes in the house and she lets the girls know what's going on. Something bad's going to happen. And, you know, just as she's inside, they see a shadow at the window. The door opens up and there's a double shotgun blast. Um, you know, who, whichever cowboy it is misses, but, um, you know, it lets you know that things are going down. Um, we cut back to the Oriental and, uh, you know, Wyatt and Morgan are talking and in, from the side door walks Virgil and, you know, Wyatt quips, what'd you forget, Virg? Um, and, you know, Virgil comes around the bar and he calls Wyatt's name and he falls to the ground and we see this arm is absolutely wrecked. It's torn up. Um, Wyatt runs over and, and picks up Virgil and <laughs> I read this apparently, um, he, he, he wailed Sam Elliott's head into the top of the bar when he picked him up. He gave him a pretty good knot on his head uh, from that. 
uh, and it's in the scene. You can see it happen. Um, they didn't change it. But, uh, you know, so we're back at the house. They get Virgil back to the house. The doctor's checking him out. Um, you know, the, the girls are crying. Morgan and, and, and Wyatt are beside themselves. And, you know, the doctor lets, uh, lets uh, Virgil know he's going to lose the use of his arm. Uh, and that was the case in real life. Now, as far as that real timeline goes, this happened the same day as the OK Corral shootout. Uh, it did not in this case, um, but in the movie. But in real life, it did. It happened the same day. Um, so everybody suddenly pissed at Wyatt. And I'm, I'm a little confused by this because they were very happy to follow him and they were thanking him in the beginning. And, you know, he didn't do anything he'd never done in his life. I mean, he was out of the game. He wanted to make the money. He was making the money. And I don't know how it suddenly turned his fault because Virgil's the one that wanted to help the town out. Um, I'm not saying he's not at fault, but it was just a little weird the way they turned on him anyway. Um, so uh, Morgan mentioned he, he just heard that, that the Cowboys also hit the mayor's house and basically killed the mayor and his wife and kids. Um, so he doesn't even he can't even get his head around that. Like, you know, he's like, who does that? Um, you know, his wife, who does that? Um, yeah, it's it's messed up. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me, um, Wyatt goes outside and uprides, uh, McMasters, who's a former cowboy, um, you know, Creek and, uh, Texas, the three of them are there. Um, and they, they basically pledge their help. They lay it out that we're, we're here to help you. Um, you know, Wyatt sort of confronts McMasters cause he's a cowboy, you know, brothers to the bone and McMasters had enough. He throws his red sash on the ground. He says, no, that's it. You know, and they pledge their assistance to, to Wyatt to maybe, you know, stop this problem that's happening with the Cowboys. Um, we cut to Morgan. Uh, he's, he's, I don't think it's the Oriental from what I read, at least in real life. It was not. It was a different place. It was a billiard place that he went to shoot some pool. Um, he lines up for a shot and a gunshot rings out and it gets him right in the back. Um, he drops to the ground and we do a quick cut to the doctor and, um, Wyatt working on Morgan on top of the pool table. I'm so um, fucking glad I was not alive. Yeah, I know exactly. I would have never fucking made it. No, like, there's not no me. Way. I would have been such, dead a long oh, fucking yes. time ago. Such fuck a yeah. fucking pussy. There is yep. no way that yep. I would ever make it. I, any sh- medical I talked too much shit. I would have been fucking. I would have been fucking <laughs> killed because I talked too much shit. I'd have been the fucking real Doc Holiday. No, exactly, but that's the thing. Removing gunfights and, and, and murders from the equation, there's so much shit that could kill you back then. Like, oh, you're yeah. right. I would, be de- I would be dead. I would be dead. But, that, um, can you imagine how everybody smelled? There's right. No fu- there's no fucking air conditioning. Dude, no, yeah. no, it's you awful. It's like awful. Fucking, just yeah. fucking ass. Awful. No, I don't think yeah. I would die in a cool way. There would be like dehydration or something right. stupid. Dysentery, <laughs> baby. Oregon Trail, dysentery. That's what would happen to me. <laughs> I'd die by shitting myself. <laughs> so they're working on Morgan. There is blood, and rightfully so. There's real, fucking blood. Real quick, before we get into yeah. that, if your brother just came in and had to get his arm sold off, and they've been killing a bunch of people in town, do you think you'd run home to your family or you'd go play pool? Well, no, here's in the In real thing. life, these were months apart. Yes, and, and I think that that was their way of trying to demonstrate that. They just didn't do a good job with the continuity. Will's right. This happened five months later. Um, but, yeah, they just they did a poor job demonstrating that. But I agree. Yeah, it wasn't the same. It seemed like it was all the same. No, night. I agree. Exactly. Exactly. They just did a, they just did a poor job. 
um, you know, with editing and continuity. It's definitely an, an era in that. Um, so they're covered in blood. The doctor's trying to get the, the bullet out. Um, it's too deep. He can't get it out. The dog's barking. Wyatt's trying to get somebody get to shut the dog up. Get that fucking dog out of here. Right. The, the wives are crying, of course, because they're watching, you know, <laughs> she's watching her husband die. Um, he's, the, the doc gives up. He knows it's, it's done. And apparently, I, I forget the doctor's name, but he was a well-respected physician in that town and county. And he was very good at gunshot wounds. And he was very capable of saying that, nope, this is it. <laughs> okay. It ain't happening. Um, so he walks away, which, you know, it, it calms Morgan down a bit in the sense that he's not in pain from getting his dug in his back to get a bullet out. Um, and he has the heart to heart with, with, with Wyatt because he knows he's dying. Um, he references uh, back to his spiritual talk earlier in the movie about seeing a white light, you know, as the path to heaven. And he goes, you know, you know that white light? And Wyatt says, yeah. And he's like, I don't see nothing. And then he dies. And apparently that was a conversation they had when, when Morgan died. Because they had had a pact. And I guess that's why this spiritual conversation took place earlier. They had a pact in real life to share with each other. If one died while the other one was there, to let them know what they saw. Like they had an interest in the afterlife and, and trying to prove it. Uh, so that actually did happen. Um, although in real life, his very last words were, I guess this is the last uh, round of pool I'll ever play. And then he died. Um, so, you know, why it's Quite the observation. Himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Captain Obvious. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what Wyatt said. Captain Obvious. Nice. No. Um, you know, a couple, of, a couple of other continuity issues. As much blood as there was. Like, Wyatt was covered in blood, but when he was stroking Morgan's forehead, no blood went on, <laughs> yeah. you know. That's, like, that's kind of like the Ghostbusters when, when uh, yeah, the marshmallow. Blew the marshmallow. Up and everyone was covered in marshmallow. <laughs> exactly. For, uh, um, you know, and then <laughs> and then like you know, Wyatt's wiping his hands on his shirt, and his shirt's still white. You know, it, whatever. It's um, it's nitpicking shit, but I just, I, you need to point out that you know the the, the the downsides of this flick as well. So uh, yeah, it's just a little weird. Um, Wyatt has just, he's completely lost it. He's destroyed at this point. It's his little brother, you know, he, he tried to guide him in the right direction and it, it didn't help. He fucked it up. Um, he thinks he's poisoned at this point, that anybody near him is going to die. Uh, he heads outside in the rain and he tries to have a quick conversation with God. Why him? Why him? Why Morgan? Um, you know, Josie runs up to him to help and he just yells at her, get away from me. Um, He's, again, that, that goes to the point where he just feels he's completely toxic. He's poisoned now that if she's near him, she's going to die. Everybody's going to die next to him. Uh, so she leaves him alone. And I, if I remember correctly, Maddie's involved in that too. And there's another awkward moment. And who cares? <laughs> we know what's going to happen. Um, so we Maddie are... Maddie probably cared. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, she's just looking for the next fix. <laughs> oh, shit. That's true. You know how it is. We all been there, right? <laughs> She's out selling ass under a railroad bridge or something. Come on. Oh yeah. yeah. Who I hasn't? Mean, that's, all, that's what she was doing when he met her. Exactly. <laughs> but listen, guys, who hasn't sucked little dick for some laudanum? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's be honest now. Please. Get her a tea. <laughs> no. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so we come. We come to um, the next scene. Uh, you know, Morgan's gone. Wyatt's beside himself. That's it. They're leaving town. 
they've, they've packed up the houses, they've loaded the wagon, and they're done. Okay. Um, this clip that I'm going to have you play um, it has two of also my favorite lines in the movie, and both are also <laughs> used in my house a lot. Um, so, Joe, please roll it. I want you to know it's over. Well. Bye. <laughs> you smell that, Bill? Smells like someone died. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, well, bye. That's daily in my fucking house. <laughs> on the phone in person someone's leaving well bye and then uh that smells like someone died is that's just to fuck with people in my house that's Jesus what we did <laughs> i know and that 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 damn curly chuckle i fucking love it powers booth is a genius in this role that little chuckle you know and because he again everything's funny to him you know, and right before he says that, you hear Ike just <laughs> a big fucking spitball. You can hear it audibly, just black. <laughs> you know, uh, so so after that little scene, after that little clip, um, you know, um, Curly looks at Ike and tells him, you know, you listen, you take uh, Stillwell and finish it, meaning follow them to Tucson, take care of them at the train station, get it done. Um, so. We're getting to the climax, folks. We're almost there. Um, the next scene, we are at the station in Tucson. Uh, we see Virgil on the train with the ladies. Uh, it's at night. Um, to note, as crazy as this scene is, and I haven't been able to confirm that it's absolutely accurate, but the car number on the train is 5150, which you know we know from Van Halen is you know, the involuntary. Yeah, we know it's the involuntary hold uh, for psych, okay? for craziness um i don't know if it was a reference or not whatever but it, it, it it's cool anyway um so they're on the train uh we see stillwell and ike and um damn it i didn't write down the actor's name of play stillwell um he's not in the movie much but he he was uh he was in gladiator he he was uh was uh what's his name's sidekick guy who ran around getting all senators together and stuff and he's been in a bunch of movies he's another good character actor bruce uh, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, cool guy. So Stillwell and Ike see them, and they're about to basically shoot through the window or at least board the train and, and take care of uh, uh, Virgil. Ike decides Virgil is the one he wants. He states he's mine, um, you know, because he wants to cut that pimp heart out, as he stated earlier. Um, so as they start to move, um, you know, Wyatt comes out of the comes out of the dark and he you know he lays waste the street howard who does its job and he he just opens stillwell up uh he's basically a sack of meat at that point he's on the ground um that happens and ike immediately goes into <laughs> survival mode again drops the gun and starts shitting himself on the ground um and he walks up uh, uh wyatt walks up to to ike and you know with his spur and i love this fucking move like I absolutely love it. He just uses a spur to basically uh, cut Ike's cheek open, you know, um, give, him, give him that old rat scar on the side of his cheek. Um, and then he lays out the, the quintessential uh, lines in this movie. I mean, it sums up this movie, and it, it actually, this is what brings us back to the opening scene at the Mexican wedding 
when uh, Curly Bill asks, um, uh, you know, you know his name, <laughs> Johnny Ringo, ask Johnny Ringo what the what the priest said, and roll it, Joe. All right, Clinton, you called down the thunder. Well, now you got it. You see that? It says United Please. States Marshal. What? Please don't kill me. Please. Take a good look at him, Mike. Because that's how you're going to end up. The Cowboys are finished, you understand me? I see a red sash. I killed a man wearing it. So run, you curse. Run! Tell all the other curse the lie's coming. You tell them I'm coming. And hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! And I love the music at the end because yeah. it's very Road Warrior-like. Epic. <laughs> you know? Um, Epic. And I dig it. I dig it so much. So, yeah. So, <laughs> for those who might not know, he calls him a cur and a cur. So, C-U-R is, is the word. Uh, it's an old-timey word. Um, it, it's, it's meant to be used uh, to describe a bad dog or a despicable person. Um, it was used it, again. It's old time. You speak back then. It was a word that would have been used at the time to call She's somebody a car. Used around here, a dog like cur dogs. Like I've heard really? that my whole life. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I, look, I'm a sheltered suburban boy from Long Island. Well, I don't know this shit. <laughs> uh, it's still spoken in redneck. Ah, all right. That's cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I knew what the word was. I get. Maybe my dad called. No, I'm teasing, but my dad had used it in a sentence or two. So I, I, I knew what the word was. But, yeah, I just wanted to give a little definition of that. Um, so now we come to what I have titled on my notes as Murder Montage 1. Because <laughs> that implies there's more than one montage of murder. There was um, this, as, uh, the fucking montages were plentiful. Oh, I yeah. I remember yeah. that about this film. Yes, yes. So, Murder Montage 1, uh, just to give a little bullet point list, we see uh, there's the horse through the window murder, um, there's the brothel murder, um, there's the obligatory horseback murders, there's the opium den murder, which is my absolute favorite. I would say that's my favorite one. <laughs> that is an absolute favorite, where the poor sucker grabs the gun barrel thinking it's an opium pipe, and nope, it ain't. Uh, <laughs> and then there's the hanging murder. They hang a couple of cowboys and tie the sashes around their ankles. Uh, now, the, so yeah, the horseback murder... You ever see stunt work in a movie and it just jumps out at you? It's like, yes. no, someone really did yep. that. And that there's no way that that looked. I mean, it. it no, that was it's done. It's too painful. Yeah. That was as practical an effect as you can get in a movie. You are right. That was old timey, old school Hollywood horse riding is what that was. Oh, God. Speaking um, of horses and painful, also that handshake. Ugh. Oh, I know, I know. That was that was cringy. That was cringy. That Why? happens at the that happens in Murder Montage too, so don't jump ahead, Joe. Oh yeah, dude. Oh, <laughs> That's God. Murder Montage yeah, too, Joe. Um so yeah, I mean Eric, you're right. And and here's the thing. If you look at the cast of this movie, all the extras, all the lesser parts, to a person, they've all been involved in Westerns their whole life. Like these people, these folks could ride those horses. They've they had already done the stunt work. They knew how it was done. And that's why it looks so good. Um, they went out of their way to hire the right people to make this movie in that sense. Um, gotcha. Just the stuff was great. It was so cool. Um, so we come upon the ambush scene. Uh, another one of my favorite scenes in this movie. Um, it's iconic. 
as far as this, this is the goes. one where I'm like, okay, come on, this is yeah? still fucking like fake. But guess what? It really happened that way. It's documented that he did this. All right, but let's talk about the scene. Um, Curly Bill he sets up an ambush to get Wyatt and the boys. Um, they start shooting. The boys are down. They're they're fucked. They all know that you know they're done. They're all looking to Wyatt, saying, "Wyatt, wh- you got to do something. What are you going to do? What are you going to do?" Um, Wyatt loads his shotgun and he stands up and he starts starts waiting in the in the river towards the cowboys. They're all shooting at him and they're missing. This is like the best stormtrooper impersonation I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> okay? They yeah. are missing him and missing him and missing him. Okay, so you're right. I'm watching this thing every time I watch it. Going, all right, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. Right? It's like, huh? So, what should I do? Let me walk out in the middle where I have zero protection. Exactly. And he is saying first in a low voice, no. And he keeps saying no, and he's getting louder and louder. Curly Bill yells and says he's mine. So the rest of the cowboys stop shooting. Curly Bill comes out and starts shooting at him. And again, impersonates a stormtrooper better than I've ever seen anybody do. He shoots at him. He unloads two pistols at him. And he misses every fucking time. Uh, We go to the slow motion, which is funny because I mentioned the director's cut earlier. So the slow motion is pretty slow when he he screams no and and pulls up the, the shotgun. It was even slower in the director's cut. They added like 15 seconds to this fucking slow motion, which is dumb. But anyway, he, he draws the shotgun and he cuts Curly Bill in half. All right. Now, Joe, I go back to this because it is documented from an eyewitness account from the cowboy from Barnes, played by John Corbett, who's the next one to get shot, that that actually happened, that he could none of them could believe it. OK, but that's what Wyatt Earp did. And they all fucking missed him. All right. It's like a goddamn Jules and Vincent moment in <laughs> <laughs> in uh, in Pulp Fiction, all right? It's divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. But according to him and other cowboys or other, you know, survivors, that shit happened. And I mean, that's I still just some f- cool shit to say before you off somebody. I know, <laughs> exactly. And look, I still find it kind of hard to believe because it was crazy. But in any case, he cuts down Curly Bill. Uh, this obviously rallies his his boys, and they start shooting up. Uh, the cowboys as they all scatter because the cowboys are like holy fuck <laughs> they don't believe this uh johnny ringo was not at this at this event um so barnes the guy who stated it he they get shot right away but he, he lived for a few days and that's where he recounted the story and and documented it as this really happened um so the um the ambush is done there they are licking their wounds and and regrouping now uh right by the river there and, uh, and this takes place, so please play this clip. Did you ever see anything like that before? Hell, I ain't never even heard of anything like that. <laughs> Nothing. Where is he? Down by the creek. Walking on water. Well, let's hope he's got another miracle up his sleeve. Let's find no Ringo. He's headed straight for us. If they were my brothers, I'd want revenge to No, make no mistake. It's not revenge he's after. It's a reckoning. <coughs> Doc, short of being dead, what the hell are you doing this for anyway? 
Wide up is my friend. Kill, I got lots of friends. I don't. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this just shows how much, you know, why it means to Doc and vice versa. This goes back to why, you know, Doc's earlier comment when Wyatt was wondering why he was going to help him out. <laughs> That's a hell of a thing to say because they were. They were, they were friends to the end, uh, and they meant a lot to each other. Uh, so, yeah, so we get through that. Um, the next scene quickly is the uh, Cowboys on the move. Um, you know, stagecoach pulls up. Uh, and we look inside to see it's the theater troupe and Mr. Fabian's been shot and killed. Um, it's obviously devastating to Billy Breckenridge, who's there. Um, you know, Ike mentions the two guys who did it, like, so casual, because he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Fabian's dead. Um, Josie just, you know, he curses them all. She curses them all as cowards, which they are. Uh, she doesn't understand the ugliness, blah, 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 but it, it's sincere. You know, this is a sucky moment. Uh, Billy, he, he's done. Um, you know, he, he's, he's been, uh, he's been behanding the Cowboys little, little, uh, sidekick. Uh, but he's done with it. He gets on a horse and he leaves. He goes, I can't be a part of this anymore. There's gotta be some kind of law. Uh, so he goes, um, very quickly after that, the team's up on a ridge and they spot, uh, the Cowboys, uh, through a spyglass. Um, McMaster's <coughs> mentions that there looks to be 30 of them and they're all wearing badges. So it's quote legal, <laughs> but that ain't, uh. You know, that ain't the case. Um, at that point, Doc, fall, he, he's spitting blood bad. He falls off the horse. He's, like, completely out of it. Um, so they scoop him up, and they head to the nearest ranch that happens to be uh, Henry Hooker's ranch. Um, Hooker was a real man. Um, he had, he, Henry Hooker actually employed um, Billy the Kid before Billy the Kid was Billy the Kid. He worked on his ranch uh, back in the day in real life. Um, uh, he's played by Charlton Heston. Um, again, th this goes this just lends to the the authenticity that they wanted to bring because I mean Charlton H was, Heston is a huge actor. He's friends. He was friends with Mitchum, um, and wanted to be in the movie even in this small part is my understanding. But you know he had been in a ton of westerns along with other movies, um, and you know they wanted him in there to lend some lend some gravitas to the to flick. Uh, so I mean he was only got a few lines, but you know. He allows them to, uh, to, to come on his ranch, water their horses, and, and you know, let Doc rest. So, um, you know, we see Doc in bed at Hooker's. Um, a, the coach with the troop arrives. Uh, Josie's there. She gets out. Um, just an interesting little uh, Easter egg is that so when the coach is there and, and, and Hooker's on the, on the porch talking to them, um, the guy standing next to him is Chris Mitchum, who's, who's – uh, Robert Mitchum's son. Uh, he was an actor huh. as well, not as well known. But yes, he's in the, he's in the flick because his dad was in it. Uh, so he, he, I don't think he has a line, but he, but he's standing there. So um, that was pretty cool. Uh, White and Josie meet. Uh, White apologizes, and Josie just plainly states, "I forgave you the moment you said it," because she understood uh, his torment at that moment. Um, you know, so it's all good. And guess what, boys? What do they do? They lock eyes again. Uh, no kissy kissy yet, but you know, this is uh, number 372. They lock eyes. Um, He's getting close to taking that mule ride down to Freckle Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It exactly. is in these hills that Juan Valdez and his trusty mule gather coffee beans every morning. Yes. He's All right. Bury, so, bury his mule in the Freckle Canyon. <laughs> 
We are in the home stretch, people. So hang in there. All right. Um, we cut to a scene of a cowboy <laughs> dragging a body behind him towards the ranch, and uh, we find out it's it's poor McMaster's. Uh, he's you know, it's not explained in the movie. It is in the director's cut, how he went out to sort of try to negotiate, and this is what they did to him, but uh, they beat him and kill him. He's beyond recognition. I mean, when, when the boys, the boys uh, run up on him, uh, they're repulsed. I mean, Wyatt, Wyatt almost throws up. <laughs> so apparently the damage was pretty bad, though. They didn't show it. Uh, so, yeah, McMasters is gone. At least he died. He died a good man. Um, the cowboy from a distance tells Wyatt that Ringo wants, uh, he wants a one-on-one with him. He wants to settle this man to man. Um, you know, Wyatt, he, I have notes here. He just, he quietly, he quietly shits himself, but you know, he, he says, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. You know, definitely. He's done. I'll be there. Um, we cut to Ringo, uh, telling him, you know, he's telling Ike that once he's done with Earp, that he wants Ike to burn them all, meaning the other guys. So we're talking about Creek and Texas and, uh, and, and doc. Um, it's funny. They keep putting this shit on Ike, but, they should know at this point he ain't gonna do shit <laughs> okay he'll never get any of this done but they keep asking him to do it uh but that's fine um we are now back to a shot of doc in bed uh it's wyatt and doc's turn to have a heart to heart and just talk about you know life and basically you know what they mean to each other in a, in a roundabout way uh you know wyatt laments that he's finally found you know what he's looking for but it's too late it doesn't matter because he doesn't he knows he's not going to survive I mean, they even, you know, he flat out says it, but uh, why don't you roll this clip, Joe? Makes a man like Ringo, Doc, makes him do the things he does. A man like Ringo got a great empty hole right to the middle of him. He can never kill enough or steal enough or inflict enough pain to ever fill it. What does he need? Revenge. For what? Being born. Yep. So, just another apt description of the torment that, uh, that Johnny Ringo lives, um, you know, he's definitely messed up. So, you know, uh, Wyatt drops the line, I can't beat him, can I? And Doc, as a matter of fact, in, in his answer is just saying no. He knows, he knows that that's just not possible. Um, Doc asks to hold uh, Wyatt's badge because he always wanted to just see what it felt like. Wink, wink. <laughs> we'll find out in a minute. Um, and, uh, you know, Wyatt heads out and... He, he talks because he knows it's time. He talks to Hooker, who vows to protect uh, to protect Doc. You know, they, they, they want to get to him. They got to go through us. Um, and he's he's sincere about it because that's the kind of man he, he is. And from what I read in real life, that's what he was. He was an honorable man. Um, so they are they are heading to Ringo. They, they you know, the, the three of them, we got uh, we got Wyatt and then and Creek and, and Texas. They're there, um, you know. They meet the other cowboys who, who tell Wyatt where, where Ringo's waiting. Uh, you know, Wyatt basically thanks the two of them. Uh, he says goodbye to them. Uh, you know, the comment is, ain't got the words. Creek says that, and Wyatt, me neither. Because, you know, they, 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 did, they meant a lot to each other. You know, obviously, to, to, to back a play like that revenge ride and everything else, uh, you know, 
they're honorable men as well. So, uh, yeah. So then we uh, we cut to the showdown, um, which I made a note here and I mentioned earlier that apparently, apparently, or according to history, it never happened. <laughs> um, they they uh, Johnny Ringo killed himself against a tree. He sat at a tree and he shot himself in the head. Um, but you know, we're not sure, but we think that's what happened. But it doesn't matter because again, it's a movie. Um, you know, so Ringo's leaning against a tree, uh, waiting, and we see Wyatt, you know, stroll up from the shadows and roll it. Well. I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Why, Johnny Ringo. You look like somebody just walked over your grave. Fight's not with you, Holiday. I beg to differ, sir. We started a game we never got to finish. <clears throat> Play for blood, remember? I was just fooling about. I wasn't. And this time, it's legal. Longer. Let's do it. They win. Too high strung. I'm afraid the strain was more than he could bear. Oh, I wasn't quite as sick as I made out. So, yeah, I apologize. There's some dead air there as far as just the music goes, but they were circling each other and such. But yeah, uh, that is when you're watching the, the video of it, it, it helps a little more. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. But it, it gets the point across. I mean, that's the, the absolute climactic scene in the movie. Um, it is the showdown we've been waiting for. And it happened like it should have. Doc is a better man. Um, and, you know, because Johnny's torment in the end got to him. He, he was scared when he saw Doc. Um it's funny that 
so my favorite line in the movie, I'm your Huckleberry, is uttered twice. They use the same clip two times. Uh, and you never see him say it. <laughs> okay. The first time, the camera angle is from behind Doc. And the second time, he's in the shadows. You do not see his mouth move because they added that afterwards. <laughs> he never said it on set or in either scene when it happened. Um, but I don't care because it's still my favorite line in the movie. Um, so, yeah, he, he takes care of Johnny. Um, it was a pretty gruesome fucking death, all things considered. The fact that he, he got him in the head, but it was a headshot that didn't kill him. It was basically a lobotomy. Um, and, you know, he, he twitched and then finally dropped. Um, now, from what I read, his self-inflicted gunshot was exactly in that spot. Um, apparently, they did find him against that tree with that gunshot in his head, and his pistol was in his hand. So, it could have been staged, who knows, but again, it didn't happen like that in real life. Um, so, you know, we, uh, they wrap it up there, and... Um, he, uh, Wyatt says to Doc, let's finish it. And, you know, Doc's got a great line. The last charge of Wyatt Earp and his immortals. Um, that's a reference to some Greek play or something. I should know, but I don't. <laughs> then we get what I've titled Murder Montage Part 2. Because it's another montage of um, a lot of murders. A lot of cowboy murders. Um, yeah, this horse stunts galore in this. Joe, Joe had referenced uh, the one of them. Um, there's a, you know under the horse's chin shotgun blast. There's lots of shotgun blasts. And, and as Eric mentioned, the, the stunt work is amazing. The, the one that gets me the most that hurts every time I watch it is Wyatt shotgunning a, a cowboy from behind, and the cowboy falls off the horse and lands in a creek. That guy probably, he had to break a collarbone. Like, he landed so hard. <laughs> yeah, that okay, looks... Here's another thing. Have you shot a shotgun? Yes, I have. And you're, you're not right. You're going to shoot a fucking shotgun from a horse. It's going to knock you off the horse. It's going to knock you off the horse, and the horse is going to buck you no matter how yeah, many times you've done it with the, the horse. It's going to scare the shit out of the exactly. horse, too. No, I Let's agree. Shoot it I under agree. the horse's head. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that particular scene, I, like I said, that guy had to break a collarbone because there was no pad underneath him. He landed in the rocks. and It's not even like he fell into the creek where the water was a little deep. He landed on the rocks right at the head. So, you know, that's some great stunt work. Um, so, yeah, so, so that scene ends with um, the boys chasing Ike and Behan. And um, they're ready to shoot. They've got Ike lined up for the shot, and he pulls the sash off and drops it because he basically remembers, I see a red sash, I kill the man wearing it. Um, they let Ike go. Ike and Behan both go. Um, Ike died in real life a couple years later in an attempted cattle rustling. Um, so he didn't make it much further after that. I don't know what became of Behan. I didn't pay attention. Um, I think he just continued to be a lawman and a hustler. Um, so, yeah, that finishes that. That's when that handshake takes place, which, yeah, again, is fucking corny, and there was no reason for it, but they had to do it. Um, so that brings us to our closing scene. Um, we see a sign for the uh, Glenwood Sanatorium in Colorado. There was no such place. Uh, it was the Glenwood Hotel where Doc spent his final days in uh, Glenwood, Colorado, but it was, there was not a sanatorium there, but that's fine. Um, Doc's in bed. Uh, he's being read his, his last rites because we know the time is near. Um, you know, Wyatt comes up, and apparently he's been meeting with Doc for quite a while uh, to keep his spirits up and just have conversations with a friend. Um, he keeps it light, trying to play poker, and talks about how Doc's still kicking his ass, but, you know, Doc knows it's time, and, and 
he's having none of it. He wants it done. Um, Doc gives him a book. We don't see what it is at first. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, Wyatt gives Doc the book. And we don't see what it is. Doc's just holding it. He doesn't look at it yet. Um, he, you know, he, he states to, to, to Wyatt, and again, this demonstrates what they meant to each other, is that you're the only human being in my life that, I, that ever gave me hope. So he lived vicariously through, uh, through, through Wyatt, you know, because he felt Wyatt was a good man, regardless of, you know, what real life tells us or whatever. I mean, you know, he respected him more than anything. Um, he goes into a quick story about being in love with his first cousin. <laughs> which is, yeah, what the fuck? I, I, there was no yeah. reason for that. There was, I, you know what? Weird ass shit. Even yeah. if Will saying what the fuck, you know it's weird. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it started weird and then it just got weirder. And it's weird. Yeah, it the guy weirder. from Tennessee is like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and I, you know, so what? he was 15. I, I was like, Ooh, for the record, I'm out. I've uh, never fucked <laughs> any of my cousins. <clears throat> I couldn't bring myself to check. We waited until they were 18. Right, but I, I couldn't bring myself to check if it was real. Because even if it was, there is absolutely zero reason to bring that up. You've built up Doc as this fucking beautiful figure through this whole movie, and you're going to throw this at us with 30 seconds left in the flick? I'm like, <laughs> fuck you guys. No one could be perfect. But that you was know, rude, man. That you was know fucking what's rude. fucked up? Like, yeah. the, uh, like what really happened between them? Like, this whole shit never took place. Like, they had right. a falling out and yes. didn't speak. And Wyatt didn't find out he was dead until months later. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But again, romanticize um, the movie. You know, movie uh, magic. Yeah, um, Wyatt's final words to Doc are, you know, thanks for always being there, Doc. Um, you know, and, and in the movie, he was always there for him, so it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, he leaves, and uh, Doc picks the book up and looks, and it, it's a book. It says, you know, my friend Doc Holliday by Wyatt Earp. So, so Wyatt wrote a book, probably telling tales of, of their exploits and, you know, it's cool. Uh, so, I mean, Doc's laying there. His feet are sticking out. He looks down at his feet, and he just says, I'll be damned. This is funny. And, you know, I, there's a couple of different possible meanings to this. I mean, there, there, was, there was one, you know, that he always thought he died with his boots on, and he, he didn't have his boots on. But the prevailing theory is that what he meant when he said it, and it's documented that he did say it. He took a swig of whiskey, and he said that, and he died. Uh, the prevailing theory is that he just, it's funny because of all the ways he thought he would die because of the, the shit that he had done. This was not what he thought. You know, yeah. he thought he, he'd die in a gunfight or he'd bit by a rattlesnake or whatever. You know, something would happen to him violent. And, and, and this is how he went. And, and he thought it was funny. And he passed. Um, that should have been the end of the fucking movie. Yep, I said that's the end of the movie. <laughs> All right, that's I, the I, end of the movie. <laughs> for those for those who haven't seen it, just turn it off <laughs> when that happens, because <laughs> this is the worst, most cringeworthy moment in the whole fucking movie. It's the dumbest, and most there's forced. There's the one line shit. that just yeah. like pisses me off more than anything. Wait, else. don't say it because I guarantee it's the same line, and I'll get to it in a second. Right, <laughs> it starts off with a shot of this theater, right, in in a snowy town. The most fake ass snowman you've ever seen in your life is out front with kids <laughs> playing it. Nobody could build a snowman like that, that looks like that. Nobody could with the arms, realistic arms sticking outside. and So smooth. Bullshit. Fake snowman, right? Um, Josie's just finished up a, a performance of uh, HMS Pinafore, Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, and she's backstage and she's taking off her makeup and yakking with somebody. Uh, the, the other person in the room leaves and in walks Wyatt. And um, you know, he confesses. 
Tahar, he's, they're thrilled to see each other, he, you know, and he then confesses to her, look, I have nothing. I have no pride. I have no honor. I have no money. And, Joe, this is the line, go. right? Yeah. Well, well, my family's rich. Right. <laughs> Don't worry. My family is rich. Why didn't you say this two hours ago when exactly. you were on the fucking horse ride? We could have just ended this shit. Exactly. And secondly, that's total bullshit because it didn't happen that way because her family didn't have money. She couldn't even find her family. And if she did, they wouldn't want her because she was a fucking crazy person. And a whore. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, big, big, listen, Joe. Anymore. Come on. It's it's a sex worker, and that's that's as honorable profession as anybody else. So do, let's that we're gonna keep this fucking real and woke. Okay. So, <laughs> anyway, it's late, and I'm so fucking tired. All right, folks, we're at the end. They go and outside. Ludicrous comes on. Use exactly. a hoe. Oh, use a hoe. I All said right. that you's a hoe. Okay, Joe. All right. <laughs> so they go outside, and Wyatt looks at her and says, she says, what do we do now? And we're, he says, we're going to do what I should have done the first time we met. And she, they grab each other, and they dance to non-existent music in the fucking snow next to the fake snowman. And then he says, and then we'll order room service. And we cut to roll it, Joe. Oh, you mean the power of the cowboy gang was broken forever. Ike Clanton was shot and killed two years later during an attempted robbery. Maddie died of a drug overdose shortly after she left Tombstone. Virgil and Allie Earp moved to California where Virgil, despite the use of only one arm, became a town sheriff. Wyatt and Josephine embarked on a series of adventures. Up or down, thin or flush, in 47 years, they never left each other's side. Wyatt Earp died in Los Angeles in 1929. Among the pallbearers at his funeral were early Western movie stars William S. Hart and Tom Mix. Tom Mix wept. The end, folks. And I have to quickly say that Mitchum's narration, he took way too much joy in letting us know that Maddie died of an overdose. <laughs> he was very, he was very angry. Like, he was angry at horror. Like, see, we, we, like we to told you. That, we, um, you know? Since Vir Virgil was a sheriff, that any time a criminal pulled a gun on him, he'd be like, don't shoot, I'm one-armed. <laughs> <laughs> you were waiting for that one, huh? Yes, I was. <laughs> well, that was good. I liked it. Um, yeah, so so in the end, that's the movie. Um, I, I I'll I'll sum it up by saying again, this is my in my top ten or top fifteen. I'll continue to watch it anytime it's on. I obviously brought to light, and we as a team brought to light some nefarious shit that took place in this movie, because there are issues. It's not a perfect movie, not even close. And you know, when we get to scores, we'll we'll see how it, it pans out. But um, I I dig it just for the quotes, uh, for the bravado. And, and everything else. So, all right. Um, Speaking of which, let's rate this this motherfucker. Yeah, there we go. All right. So, Who's Will, the way we us? rate this is, it's a zero to five score. You can get decimal points. Five is perfect. Zero is piece of shit. And you, yeah, you can go by decimal points in between. I am a movie critic by trade, and until recently, I got paid to tell you people which movies merely stink and which ones you shouldn't screen near an open flame. Well, I'm putting the burden of lousy movies back on you. It's very simple. If you stop going to bad movies, they'll stop making bad movies. 
If the movie used to be a TV show, just don't go. After Roman numeral two, give it a rest. If it's a remake of a classic, rent the classic. Tell them you want stories about people, not a hundred million dollars of stunts and explosives. People, it's up to you. If the movie stinks, just don't go. If the movie stinks, just don't go. You love me. You really love me. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Are you not entertained? Three point six. No explanation. Why you're gonna go with that? Uh, Just the I don't know the overall campiness. I think is uh, the handshake yeah. is really not, knocks <laughs> off a point. Okay. And the freckle canyon. <laughs> <laughs> that actually might bump my score up if it wasn't a yeah, the, the shit plot. <laughs> I don't know, man. It was uh, it was good. It, I mean, you know, Val Kilmer made that damn movie, and like I said, yeah. I'm I'm sorry for shitting on Kurt Russell all these years. It no, wasn't no, no. that bad. But again, like I said, we we sort of come to a meeting of the minds on that, so I get it. Yeah. All right. All right my, so, my, uh, yeah. Eric. my rating on this guy. Let's see. I I enjoyed it. Um, the thing I thought it did really well was uh, it was tense as shit, man. Like those shootout sequences were really tense. Um, stunt work was really intense. So. Yeah, I was a fan. I'd give it a, I'd give it a solid, uh, it's a solid four point All right. Okay. Excellent. I Joe? am going to do my uh, thing I do here, which is Babylon about why this movie <laughs> should be what it is, and then I throw a curveball at you. But I'm giving Doc Holiday a five. Hmm. <laughs> I'm giving the Freckle Canyon itself a five. <laughs> along with the eyes and I'm going to give the rest of this movie about a three it's a good movie but it, I just I'm, yeah it, it can use an improvement alright that's, uh, that's also I completely respect that um, I it's funny because again I, I love this movie I can't say enough how much I love this movie um, my watching it twice this week and taking the notes might have knocked it a peg or two down. <laughs> I'm still going to watch it anytime it's on, like I said. But um, I am just to be the top dog here in my own eyes anyway. Um, you know, our high rating was a 4. I'm going with a 4.1. Um, you know, which for a movie in my top 10 is, you know, actually on the low side. But, you know, I get the flaws in it. I understand the flaws in it. But there's too many good things. There's too many important things for me. Again, the quotes that are used in the family on a regular basis, things like that. That's very important to me. And that factors into my into my score. So 4.1. Nice. All right, guys. Um, let's, uh, let's plug some shit up here. Will, you got anything to plug? Uh, just surprise me, which is basically this show. But substitute <laughs> Eric with a foul-mouthed other guy. Can, can we do the other the other way around? <laughs> Archie <laughs> gets shit on so much. <laughs> he does. I I can't even do it. It's I kind of so feel bad, but he he's would just Billy, tell me something he's, terrible. Yeah, he's the Billy Breckenridge on the show. 
All they ever that did was make sister boy. That <laughs> sister boy. Exactly. Yep. Um, Doug. Plug. Plug, Doug. Plug. All right. Well, I mean, just surprised me as well. Uh, so I, I'm always excited to do that show. Uh, and 37 effects uh, for your fat guy little coat and soon-to-be tombstone treble boost. See, get it? That's where the tie-in comes. My next pedal is going to be the tombstone pedal uh, treble boost, and it will have a direct reference to my favorite line in that movie uh, somewhere on the pedal. Um, so I'm excited. That's going to be coming out in about a month. Uh, 37FX.com, the word 30, the number 7FX.com. Thank you. Eric. Oh, yes, sir. ArtofEricPabone.com. Uh, ArtofEricPabone.threadless.com for your t-shirts. And ArtPal.com slash ArtofEricPabone for your fine art prints, canvases, and frame pieces. Uh, hit me up if you need a custom commission. Uh, shoot me a direct message and we'll work something out. And, of course, uh, it hasn't been mentioned yet, but just surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, that's also a podcast I do <laughs> And uh, some pedals Like my pedals All that good shit uh, you know, uh, Join the Facebook group We got a master yes, of the please. cinematic universe We got we'll a nice growing uh, We got a nice growing group here We just got to get more active um, yep. we, we promise to be more active And you know we would love for you to be more active Drop some shit Let us know what you like What you don't like uh, and then have some fun. If you got a movie clip you want to throw in there or a recommendation of something we might want to do, do it. Or throw it out there for us. Be a guest. Yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. Um, Erica, what, what movie do we got coming up next? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. I, You know, I'm, I'm really excited about this one, guys. We are going to tackle one of my favorite movies of all time. That is Star Wars A New Hope. So uh, we will be joined by my brother, Ryan, special guest, and we're going to dig into it, man. It's it's going to be a long one, I'm, I'm sure of it. Yep, and I'm sure if you stay to the very end of the episode, you might get a special surprise. <laughs> you just may. That's what you call it? A special surprise? Oh, it's special, all right. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. It's special in a whatever in a, you know. Let's just it, say it, I, I would not tell a lie. Oh, God. <laughs> It's a spe- it's special in that ringer the the ringer movie way, right? That's yeah, I'm like Johnny Knoxville. I'm no, Mr. I don't know. I no, no, that's not what I'm not. I'm talking about some of the other cast. But anyway, let's move on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just say, oh, you guys are well. Eric's from Florida. I'd be a bag boy at Publix. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He gets that joke. I do. I do. Uh, so once All again, right, guys, thank you for everything. Yes, Join thank the you so group. much. Uh, we, you know, it's not us that make this show. It's it's you. Yeah. We love you all. Lights. Camera. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>